0: St. Tola is a world-class delicious goat's cheese made on a family farm in ennis in the beautiful County Clare by my guest for this episode, Siobhan Nigarvi. Siobhan has worked hard to develop this artisan cheese brand with great success in food service as well as retail and continues to lead the way in this market. We had a great chat and Siobhan was very generous with sharing her story. I hope you enjoy it. Let would to welcome Siobhan Garvey. Thank you very much for joining me today, Siobhan. How are you? I'm great, polisher Who who'd be complaining with this lovely spell of weather we're having at the moment? It's great to be alive and be out in it and enjoying it. I know it's fantastic, isn't it? And Siobhan, you're from. You founded Saint Tola. Goat's
1: cheese. Goat's cheese. Yeah. Well, I suppose um, the the present Tola goat's cheese. I actually took over the business um from neighbours of mine in uh, 1999, and I suppose formalised it into becoming kind of farmhouse cheese Tola. But I'm a second generation of 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 actually producing the cheese
0: itself. Oh, wow. And uh, do you want to tell me what got you into it then, Siobhan? Was it a passion of yours beforehand or was it just a um, I think a bit of youthful madness, <laughs> to be honest, Paula.
1: <laughs> and a bit of um, passion, I suppose, about land and farming, really. Um, I was brought up um, uh, by my, my parents who were teachers. I'm one of six children. I qualified as a primary school teacher myself. And um, we were brought up just outside the village of Ina in northwest West Clare um, very much into um, Irish culture, Irish music. Uh, very proud of where we came from and everything, you know, about the area, music, sports and all that. And um, we had the farm, it was a 60 acre farm that my grandfather and grandmother had put together. But they, like my parents, were just what I would call token farmers, as in, the majority of the land was leased out by our neighbours, you know, who were farming full time. And like mum and dad, we had a couple of donkeys called uh, Chinzano Bianco and Bambino, that'll show the vintage of my parents. Brilliant. And we had one cow in that. But anyway, I suppose I always, as I got older, um, I suppose in my early 20s, um, I was living in Galway and teaching at the time. I suppose I became more aware about, I suppose, by the climate and the environment and that, and saw how important it was to protect whatever land we had and to protect the waters around us. And then I thought it was a shame that one of the six of us weren't doing something with the farm. We were still being leased mm-hmm. out. And then I kind of got this golden opportunity when Megan and Derek were retiring the farmer owners of St. Tola, who were making the cheese on their farm on the other side of the village. I saw it as an opportunity for, as they were retiring they had no family themselves and um i thought this was an opportunity that i grabbed with both pens and here i am nearly
0: 24 years later making goat's cheese congratulations it's, yeah, thank you it's well for you and i've tried your cheese before it's absolutely delicious uh, uh, thanks very much <laughs> did did, um, did the owners of the farm did they already have the saint hola brand They had the name St.
1: Tola, I suppose the branding was different, but it was very small, it was different times. Um, At that stage they were producing like three tonne of cheese, um, started kind of late March, end of of April, finished up then kind of in September time. Um, They were producing two types of cheese at the moment. Um, I suppose the whole Irish artisan cheese and Irish artisan food was very much at its infancy in that stage when they would have started in the late... 80s early 90s so the brand would have been known in certain uh, sections um, I suppose in the upper end the higher end of the of the food service market you know high-end hotels uh, some hotels uh, mainly high-end restaurants but in general it wouldn't it wouldn't have been no, known but I knew I knew from working with them and I went back to college after a couple of years teaching and then I went working for Shannon development and kind of a training program promoting regional food products tola being one of them and um sorry here you
0: cat my after joining the company once you get out
1: pardon me paula sorry take your time it was not it was not a, cat, a two-legged kid or a four-legged kid and handing my attention
0: <laughs> well, i know on the way I... yeah
1: So I I just realized that, you know, it was a brand, I suppose the name, the reputation of the cheese um, had great potential to grow, you know, and I could see there was a possibility to grow and produce more cheeses and that. Whether I would have been brave enough to start a whole new brand myself, I don't know in my early 20s, but when there was one there, you know, which was very much associated with the area where we came from and their farm, the land was similar to ours, it just made sense, you know, to take it over and grow it from there.
0: Oh, fantastic. And Siobhan, it seems like sustainability was, you know, very much a driving factor. Um, oh,
1: ve- yeah, very much so from the onset. And I mean, Megan and Jerry Gordon would have had the same philosophy as me. It wasn't about getting bigger and bigger and, you know, putting pressure on the land, putting pressure on the animals. It was about, it was about producing good, healthy, honest food, with respect for the land and the animals and something that would be there for the future, that it wasn't just about um, a, a, a successful business um, in our time, but they are something for the future, for future generations. So, I mean, we've continued on that with St. Tola. We're part of the borrowing Eco Ecotourism Network that is very much about sustainable tourism. It's not just getting them in the busloads, getting money off them and sending them on their way. But it's the educational piece of the people that we work with, the public that we deal with, is very important. And, I mean, we're continually hearing now on a daily basis about climate crisis, the change in the weather, you know, water shortages, food shortages now at this stage. It is becoming a critical issue and it is something that I feel is a very important role that I have to play as a farmer and as a producer in educating others and moving um, the whole agenda about producing healthy food, you know, up the agenda in, in people's consciousness.
0: And Siobhan, how do you use that in your marketing? Um, I suppose it's something I say in, in in all aspects of my marketing,
1: you know, in, in the brochures I produce, online marketing, it's something I always speak about at any opportunity I get to speak about the importance of it. Um, I'm not a hard sell, hard-nosed businesswoman. Um, I am, you know, I tell my story, which I think is important, which people then can identify with. And um, I will say straight out to people for me all the time, it's about quality over quantity. And it's something um, that we we need to recognise in this country. I don't think it's always recognised. Um, and especially not recognised by maybe a lot of um, government bodies, because they seem to look at the numbers and the figures and export opportunities and growth potential, whereas I feel that if we had more um, small indigenous businesses um, in our country, they're much more sustainable long-term, not at the same mercy as global influences, and I think it's the way we need to go and we need to think from, from a big picture point of view.
0: Think small from a big picture point of view. I totally agree with you, Siobhan. I, I, even when you look at, say, France and all the small producers they have there, they're so well protected and they're, mm. they're able to survive and they're able to, to feed that community. And from a tourism point of view, that's what the tourists want. They don't want mass produced uh, food, you know, intensively farmed animals. Oh. Or- no no they want to see they want to see something different like any of us when we go somewhere or
1: go abroad and holidays we want to see something different we just don't want to see the same old thing uh, 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 our new thing or we don't want to taste the same we, we you know we want something that is representative of of the area in which you're visiting and the people that you're meeting and i think uh individuality is very important and uniqueness and and um, um Thing, have, having a taste or a sense of an area is very important and people can identify with that. I'm, I'm a great believer in communicating with people and um people, not using people's emotions, but pe- people remember things, people have memories, positive memories of things. And I think that's important that you get that across your unique story and your unique, you know, flavor or product or whatever it is.
0: Very good. And I. Um... Siobhan, do you engage with Board Bia at all? You know, to help with your marketing. Uh, I do
1: because I am of a size that I am recognised as people that can actually um, um, uh, help from a, from their uh, marketing promotion point of view. You have to be you have to have a certain level of turnover to be eligible for that um so i do engage with them Um i don't have time to attend a lot of the workshops that they have because it's a small arts and business i could be full-time on the road um, attending such events but i don't i have to prioritize you know the goals of the cheese making first of all and um i'm also um on, i'm on the committee of course the irish cheesemakers association so we would have a lot of engagement as an association representing our members uh talking to um the irish food board
0: Brilliant! Uh, I actually was just wondering about the Origin Green program. Whether you were, uh... I
1: am for my
0: things <laughs> or for my
1: challenges. And do um, you... it is very, really, it yeah. is, um, it's something we're kind of encouraged to do by board B. Actually I am in, a, I am in a position, um, that I have, been, I mean, I have nine employees, so I can afford the time and the resources to put into you know, maintaining our origin green status, because it is very time consuming and very bureaucratic. I would think that there were simpler methods of getting messages out there about our um, green credentials. Um, But I am a member of it, but um, I always have questions about it.
0: Well, I suppose these things have to be evolved over time as people um, engage more with them. And, uh... yes, and it brings
1: a rising tide, I suppose, because I mean, initially when it came out, first of all, I was a bit negative about it because I felt what I was doing was very much relevant to Origin Green. and um, But it involved a lot more time to get, you know, to get actually get the status. But then I suppose, and then I saw a lot of big companies getting involved, which I wouldn't have thought they were very green minded. But I suppose that you have to start at somewhere and, you know, a rising tide will carry more with them. So it has its positive ben- benefits, to be sure.
0: Oh, very good. And I, I uh, see on your website, I think it was, that you're part of the slow food movement as well. Yeah, that's something I've been involved with for years,
1: um, like Slow Food International. And then here in Ireland, I'm part of the Irish Raw Milk Cheese presidia. So we're a group and um, that got special um, status from Slow Food International for the protection and the promotion of raw-made cheeses, because there are only 10 of us in the country. That- um, Yeah, at this stage, there's only 10 of us in the country. Um, it can be quite difficult and you have to justify, you have to justify your actions for doing so. Um, But I am very much involved because I'm very passionate about it. And Slow Food, when people hear about Slow Food, if they haven't heard the concept, First of all, they're trying to, they can't quite figure out what slow food means. They think it's something that you cook slowly or something like that. But it's actually about taking the time uh, to recognize, you know, what growing food is about and what producing food is about and protecting traditional methods of farming um, and of growing food, but also uh, promoting, you know, the benefits of doing so
0: from a sustainable point of view. Brilliant. And Siobhan, I can I ask you, what do you find has worked best in terms of marketing the business?
1: Um, what I would say is one having uh, being able to stand over the quality of your brand and the quality of your products. Um, it's very important because you can keep finding excuses. You know, we have had we have made some batches of bad cheese. We're not perfect by any means, but when we have. You know, we, we have acknowledged that we haven't sold them <laughs> or we explained to our customer, you could use it for cooking as opposed to, you know, so as their main way of using it. I think communication with your, with one's customers is key. Uh, you know, continuous, open and honest communication and, and getting to meet your customer regularly, I think is very important. And also to get to meet the end consumer, um, regularly. Um, also, I'm involved in a number of networks. You mentioned it, we've mentioned a few of them there, the Slow Food, Cosh, the Maker Association, Barney Tourism Network. I mean, as a small producer or any producer, you can get very caught up in your own world and your own business and think you know it all, or you're the only one with the problems or you're the only one with the successes. I think you learn a lot by getting involved in networks and um, working with net, net networks is very important.
0: Absolutely. And um, you just reminded me. Well, I was listening to a podcast today and they mentioned uh, Steve Jobs' quote. Yes. Uh, it was about the fact that uh, Japanese uh, companies don't usually mention quality in any of their advertising. Uh, of but American companies do all the time. And his point was that the uh, Japanese companies... Uh, if you ask anybody in America about what's the best quality uh, car, etc., yes. or machine or whatever, uh, you'd say Japanese. One of the Japanese brands, but they on yes. the quality by making quality products. Yes, not necessarily talking about it. <laughs> yeah, they see.
1: Yeah, I suppose it's assumed. I suppose they have it. It's kind of assumed. Yeah, that, that's very really interesting. But yeah. I can see where the Japanese are coming from because I suppose. To be honest, even when I think about anything to do with Japan, I always think of high quality, perfection, very, you know, um, I wouldn't necessarily say that about other countries <laughs> or the <laughs> manufacturers, but you always think. So I suppose they feel they don't have to mention it. Maybe it's something that's so assumed by them. You know what I mean? Actually, one thing I was going to stay, say there was what, but one can never sit on one's lo- uh, laurels is what I would say. I mean, we have been very successful with Sen over the years and growing our business and getting all sorts of recognition and everything. but you can never just take it for granted. Like you always have to be you know improving our uh, bringing out new new products, you know, to keep your customers into interested. And obviously the times are times are always changing. So you need to be changing. you can't just stay as you are because if you stay as you are, you go stale. In- and others new kids on the block will come and happily push you out of the way
0: um you're dead right and i know uh, people that have worked with me will have heard this before but when i was in the uk i did a lot of work with coca-cola and i remember being at one they have this annual event for all Mm -hmm. of their marketing teams, it's amazing. This was held in Ascot. And I remember one of the presentations for the Fanta team or from the Fanta team uh, was about um, their product innovation. And basically the upshot of it was that they uh, had to bring out or they, they, their strategy was to bring out mm. flavor uh, every year or so, um, not necessarily to uh, get a lot of revenue from that flavor, but yes. When you have something different in the fridge or whatever, actually sales of the regular brand increase. Yes. It just generates more interest in the product. And in yes. the brand. yes, yeah, yeah. I find that because I mean, as I say, we're
1: 23 years, we're into our 24 years established now, and there are new cheesemakers and ghost cheesemakers coming on the market the whole time. So you know it's important that you keep your name out there and keep your brand out there. So whether it is by doing something creative, by creating a new cheese or giving a new service or something, it's important that you keep your story out there and not just assume people are going to buy your product because they've always bought it, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Not to be complacent, isn't that it? Mm Yes. And uh, Siobhan, you were talking about how important it is to talk to your customers on a regular basis. And how do you manage that? Uh, How do I manage that?
1: I suppose... Um, nowadays it's much easier with Zoom, like we're doing now, or with social media. There's a lot, you know, which is uh, very cost-effective. But initially, how I did it, um, I would have gone to fairs and events where, you know, where mainly we were in food service initially. So I would have gone to fairs and events where chefs were going to be. Um, I'm a member, I'm an associate member of Euro Talks and the Restaurant Association. Um, I would have gone to prize, you know, award ser- ceremonies. And um, I would have contacted, I remember one session when I started off, first of all, I had inherited so many customers, but I, I actually sat down and sent postcards to a lot of restaurants that I thought were places that would be suitable, um, you know, for, for using our cheese on their menus. So I did, a, I would say I did a lot of legwork and donkey work in the first couple of years and built up a relationship then to the networks and continue to do so. Um, I'm not on the road as much because I suppose COVID um, showed us there's a lot we can do by just staying at home and it can be more cost effective and less time consuming by staying at home. But if you just, it's still important to pick out key events. I think there's nothing like meeting people in person uh, to be able to get your story across and to build a relationship with people. Oh, absolutely. Do you know a woman called Mag Carwin? Oh, of course I do. <laughs> Anybody in the food industry who doesn't know Megs Kerwin is not in the food industry. <laughs> or is sleeping through it. She well, is, my God, she is a dynamo. <laughs> and I definitely know Megs Kerwin. I wish I was on
0: whatever energy toxins she has. <laughs> I think she's on trout. <laughs> <laughs> Next, what? She'll have to give me a fiver for saying that now. Oh, she's marvelous. She's marvelous. She's at her- She's at
1: everything. I'm. I'm nowhere as much on the road as Mag's is, but she is inspirational. I must well,
0: say. The reason I brought her up is that uh, that reminds me of how uh, Mag was and is in terms of going to those efforts yes. to face with the chefs and the restaurants. Yes. Getting that passion uh, across. Yes. And it uh, makes a massive difference to the brand in the end doesn't it huge it's huge it's huge yeah. because yeah. When, when, when a customer
1: can identify with your product and kind of nearly see you behind the product and you build up this relationship with them they're more dedicated to it and more supportive of it as just another product another list you know another yeah. product on a list so it is very important Exactly.
0: I think. Mm-hmm. it's like when I started working for um when I came up back to England first in 2005 and I was doing a bit of work for Wexford Creamery actually it just so happened that my cousin was uh the financial director there and uh, I was always afraid that uh, one day he'd come into the house and open the fridge and if he didn't see Wexford Creamery uh milk and cheese there I'd be shocked at if- you have to walk the walk as well as talk the
1: talk I know exactly what he means
0: what you mean and what he meant exactly so my fridge is always of people that uh, I've met and I might be talking to again yes (laughs) get some of your cheese in there now Siobhan (laughs) very good Uh, now is there anything that you would say Siobhan that uh, hasn't worked out so well or you know it was a bit of a learning experience for you over the years in terms of marketing
1: um yeah i mean there were some uh markets i looked at especially from an export point of view i would have put a lot of energy in in the earlier years working with board via uh, going to fairs and that you know export fairs but um they just weren't they weren't for the type of business that i envisaged of my business it wasn't uh, suitable for me uh, because I was never going to be scaling up to such an extent that I would say be moving into the town of Venice and becoming a more factory size and you know buying in all my make and everything. Because for me, it has always been about the farm and producing on the farm and using the farm. Um, there were one or two products we tried out that didn't work out. One I can remember in particular... Was um, in olive oil, um, soft goat cheese, and olive oil in glass jars. And the problems we had with leakages, and you know, with oil, if it leaks, it can be very messy. um just in the, you know, so you, you learn along the way. I remember one time at Valentine's, you get a good kick out of this coming up to Valentine's, and I had these heart shaped molds, and I made these lovely heart shaped cheeses, and I wrapped them in lovely red paper, tissue paper, and sent after a few key customers. And one of the customers, a very high, high profile chef, rang me and said, oh, thank you for the lovely gift, Siobhan, but the paper, the dye is after running onto the cheese and it's, oh my God, I was so embarrassed. <laughs> oh my God, a lovely, a lovely pink. Yes, <laughs> with bit of pay. and I mean, fair play to the shepherd question for ringing me, you know, because others probably said, Oh my god, what's that one at? all Does you know, what you bet, you know. But um, trial and error, I think with marketing, you always learn, you know, you, you learn even with your mistakes, you learn so much from your mistakes, you know. You probably learn even more by the mistakes, by the mistakes, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh,
0: what I, what I find myself is that you have to keep going anyway and keep, yes, just keep, um keep up the momentum and keep yeah. in and keep getting out there again and again. Yeah. And not, nothing ventured, nothing gained is what I would say, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. Then, siobhan are you still doing many tastings like in I don't know, supermarkets or big uh kind of we on? haven't got we haven't
1: gone back to the same level that we were doing before COVID. Um and i suppose it was something i did very much when i went into the multiples initially with our range of our saint-toll divine saint toll original i did a lot of tastings at the time in the supermarkets and that but um i find nowadays there's such a change really you're doing it for the staff i feel for the staff that are behind the counter that are ordering your cheese or you know interacting with their customers come into the shop there's such a big there's such a big cha- uh, turnover of staff nowadays I've seen a lot of the multiples. You're not getting the same, um, I suppose, payback from it. You know, do you know what I mean? And I think there's other marketing methods you can deal with and um, that can be more efficient than actually going off and doing in-store tastings. It's very hard to, to find people. If you can't, there's nobody as good as oneself for selling their own product is what I would say. Um, but then I am only one person running a small business, so I can't be up and down the country. And I also have a young family that I want to be at home for. Um, but it's been very hard to find people who would actually do in-store tastings or even shared in-store tastings with other, you know, with other producers. And um, there's a whole, there's a whole gap there in the market. You know, trying to find people, you know, who would be in the main cities, for example, that's where the biggest football is, who can do tastings. I mean, there are agencies out there, but one day they could be selling bog standard cheese, and you're not going to have them then tasting your artisan cheese afterwards because it's just, you know, it that it's not a match, you know. So I have not been doing in-store tastings much where I find the best value is actually an independent retail because um and they're key to our they're key to our uh, market and our success. You always get good feedback there and they're much more likely to have long term staff working in their stores because they're owner managed, you know. And then I do tastings with chefs um, at events when they're organizing events, I would do a lot of tastings there. Not as much in the multiples as before, as I said, but with the other customers, yes. Because you get great feedback, not just from the chef or the person behind the counter, but also from the consumer. You get ideas ideas from them as to what suits them or what they like or what they don't like, you know? Brilliant. And uh, Siobhan, are you going up to Bloom? Uh, I will be visiting, but not exhibiting. (laughs) We've done it for years um, with our own stand, shared stand with other cheesemakers Kosh actually have a stand there and there's nine cheesemakers going to be on the stand for the five days. They're mainly new cheesemakers I suppose getting their branding and their um getting established out there I suppose we're an established brand we're also in the one fortunate position is we can sell everything we make at the moment there's a shortage of Irish goat's milk in the country. If anybody's listening to this podcast who's interested in getting goat's and supplying with me with milk I'd love to hear from them so I actually don't have extra product to sell at the moment. Do you know what I mean? And then when you go to events like like Bloom, Paula, they're exhausting. They're exhilarating and exhausting at the same time. And just I don't, I, I haven't the cheese and I haven't the resources. So I'll only be visiting there for a day, which is a very enjoyable way to see Bloom.
0: Oh, it surely is. In fact, this year is the first year for a lot of years that I won't be able to go myself because I have a wedding uh, I have to go to on the Thursday and Friday. Oh, okay. and, and like that, I'd feel, like, oh, my God, it's so busy up there. It's fantastic. But it's so busy yeah. for Saturday and Sunday. Sunday. You have to face it. I know, exactly. <laughs> the earlier days are the better days to go, for sure. Um And... Uh, Siobhan, uh, you have won so many awards uh, for St. Ola. Well done. Thank uh, you. What difference do they make to you, and what's your view on food awards? It's always a very interesting topic,
1: (laughs) and people have various opinions on it. Um, What I would say, it's good to get the recognition, uh, you know, when you win an award. It's very much kind of um, a morale booster for the team, you know, to get acknowledgement. That, you know that some they must be doing something right or we must be doing something right because somebody appreciates it. Um, I would think as more uh, the longer al- awards um, left and some of the newer awards, um, I think they're more political is what I would say. Um, I would think of the awards that are now into <clears throat> that, uh, that are out there, a lot of them are actually run by independent companies, they're kind of businesses in their own right. So they're making the money on the entry fees and this. Do you know what I mean? Which is what I would never have seen. What rewards were about? I thought awards were recon, were recognising you know a particular industry for their successes. So they have to. Um, so they've become business. They've become businesses. So it's about making money as opposed to getting recognition for the <laughs> recognition for whatever they're supposedly recognising. Um, I think the quality of judges in a lot of the awards aren't necessarily uh, well trained or well qualified for what products they're tasting and judging. Um, they might have more it it, it it depends they would be saying about having the best say like in a cheese award, the best cheeses, but the best cheeses in whose opinion is it for you know the artisan cheese market? Is it for the general consumer market? Whereas a lot of artisan and cheese makers are trying to target the general consumer. They would have more, you know, a set type of market, you know, what I mean? you know? Um, but they're always fun to attend. <laughs> and if you win something, all the better. But I am getting more choosy in what ones I decide to attend
0: and what ones we actually enter our cheese in. Well, I suppose that you you don't need to prove anything at this point. <laughs> Yeah, there's
1: there's that too. But, you know, if I think there's a good award out there where there will be good good judging and that we get good feedback, I think that's important for myself and my crew to get genuine feedback because
0: you don't want to get complacent either, as we mentioned earlier. Exactly right. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, exactly. There can only be one or one winner and other, uh, what you call, runners-up, etc. Yes. It's always bit frustrating. And as you say, Uh, There's a lot of room for change, I think, within any awards program and as they go along. But uh, I don't know what else I have to ask you. You've been very generous with all of your advice and your stories and everything. Thank you very (laughs) much. Um, Oh, I I did want to ask you because uh, it's only coincidental. I just uh, started doing a bit of mentoring with the local enterprise office in Clare. Uh, Oh, in Clare. Yeah, a couple of months ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. So just uh, met a few businesses down there so far. But yeah. I just wondered, do you have much to do with them? And do they help you with your marketing at all? Um
1: uh they've helped me uh what I see more to do with funding with capital investments, you know, for equipment. Right. Yeah and yeah. funding with um funding with employees, you know, with, with um, oh, new yeah. employees and that, but we're kind of at the maximum level there now and yeah. um, marketing not so much I suppose do they really have a marketing way they have a lot of um they have a lot of things to involve with workshops and oh, coaching yeah. and that yes but I feel unless the person coaching and mentoring me has had hands-on experience themselves yes. at the stage I am at in my business do, do you know what I mean it's not I've a done. benefit you know yeah. it's not a benefit yeah. if if you're yeah. starting off yes you know Yes. But I mean to be honest, but they have but they've kind of limited resources financially, and there is a there is an issue. there. I mean, they've said that to me themselves. You know, like when you're established, when you're established a good number of years. I mean, we're at the stage where we're replacing equipment. You, you know what I mean? Because it's, of course, yeah, out of day, You know, it's gone, it's gone. old. It's just worn out. Like like i You know what I mean? You know, <laughs> and, okay. they've, and they've limited. They've limited funding that way. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Asher, you know, they do a lot with, with what they have, I suppose. Yeah, it.
1: yeah. And but I do, I mean, I go to a number of their networking events, which is always good. Do you know what brilliant, I
0: mean? It's brilliant, yeah. Uh, say, women's networking i say you're a good hand at the networking, Siobhan. i uh, oh,
1: sure when I'm out, I'm out to enjoy myself. I make it worth my while. And uh, it's always good to listen and hear other people's, you know, we, we all help one another is what I would say. Do you know what I mean? And you learn something new every day when you go out and meet people. By staying at home, you're not going to learn anything new. And I much i, I really like it person-to-person, Paula, as opposed to, you know, listening, you know, uh, research, I suppose, desk research and that. I'm a people's person is what I would say. That's one of the strengths, one of my marketing strengths, I would say.
0: Yeah. I'm a people's person. I think that uh, the information uh, sticks in your head way more mm. when it's from uh, another human being in person. Than- yes on a screen, definitely. Or um, a bot. Yeah. said, <laughs> thank you very much, Siobhan. I really uh, I really enjoyed our chat. Not at all. Uh, Thanks for contacting me. I hope you enjoyed listening to Siobhan as much as I enjoyed chatting with her. Three takeaways from Siobhan for marketing food brands are individually is very important keep your name out there keep doing interesting things and make sure you're always talking to your customers thank you siobhan it's wonderful to hear from someone so passionate about what they do and doing such a great job you can buy saint tola irish goat cheese in lots of good food shops or you can order it from the saint tola website that's hyphen t o l a dot i e thank you for listening and i hope to welcome you again next time on the useful marketing podcast